0: we think of take charge strong assertive aggressive but at walmart there is actually a very healthy legacy of servant leadership and if you have experienced that kind of leadership where someone senior to you someone with more political capital or more power than you creates space for you lifts you up you know guides you through your your worst days it's an incredible feeling that you can make a decision. Are you going to grow up and be that kind of leader, so there are more of us, or um, are you more comfortable in a take charge, you know, take no prisoners kind of style?
1: Welcome to the Speak as a Leader podcast, where you learn how to speak fearlessly on stage, on camera, and in person. I'm Nasheen, a leadership communications coach from the Fortune 500 world. And on Speak as a Leader, I talk to leaders from corporate giants like Amazon and Google to startup founders, visionaries, TEDx speakers, and even leaders who have worked at the Pentagon. You will get to know how these leaders learn the art and science of speaking fearlessly on any stage. Let's get started. Today, I'm welcoming someone very special to me in the Speak as a Leader podcast. Lynn Wong is a global coach, and she's also ex New York Shipping Exchange and ex Walmart. I met Lynn when she was the Senior Director for Global Logistics at Walmart and we worked on a video project together. She is one of those leaders who can walk into a room and light it up with her smile, her positive attitude and her clarity. She put me at ease immediately and over the next few weeks, we created a collaborative video project spanning dozens of countries and regions. Since then, Lynn has become one of my mentors and friends never hesitating to provide valuable insights based on her decades of experience in leadership. After Walmart, she's also served as the vice president enterprise at the New York Shipping Exchange. And now she's a Gallup certified coach helping business leaders grow and serve teams better. And you'll be getting these valuable insights from more than 20 years of leadership experience at Fortune 50 companies right here on Speak as a Leader. It's my pleasure to introduce to you, Lin Wong. Thank you so much, Lin, for joining us on the Speak as a Leader podcast. This is a very, very special episode for me because you've been a very special person in my life. You were one of the first people who believed in me when I was starting out on my filmmaker journey. I was a young filmmaker. We had had some clients but we hadn't gotten a really big corporate client. And you were that first big corporate client for us at Walmart when I met you and you gave us a video project that actually then led to several other video projects at Walmart for several years. It really meant a lot to me, the fact that you believed in me, the fact that you believed in us as a company and the way that we worked together together. It was like an extremely special time for me, so I'm thrilled and honored and humbled that you're here on this podcast. I am so excited to talk about your journey on leadership, your thoughts on growing as a leader and where you are now. So thank you so much for taking the time, and I'm thrilled to be talking to you.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, likewise, it's been a hot minute since we met in person in Shenzhen, China, since uh, several years ago. And it's amazing to be able to reconnect. And uh, likewise, you know, from uh, following your work through just, you know, looking at the the local news and, and all of that to actually getting the opportunity to invite you to work with us to tell our story. Um, our global story was just an incredible experience. So hats off to you and the team you led then. And I am super excited to get to
1: you know, witness your your brilliance, your journey um, as you continue to impact others in your new work. Thank you so much. It was it was a very memorable experience, and you were so impressive as a leader. I remember walking into that meeting room and meeting you for the first time, and I was really nervous. I was a vendor, a potential vendor, and walking into this big corporation. I had background in corporate America before, but it was extremely different because I was at the client end. This was the first time where I was the agency and I had to win over the client. And you put me at ease the moment you walked into that room and started talking. You were extremely thoughtful. There was something about you that really made me feel that, oh, this is great. This is someone talking to me On my level, she's not talking down to me. She's not talking to me from this pedestal of, I'm the client and you're the agency and you need to be cognizant of that at all times. It was not at all like that. Since then, I went on to work with several other big companies and it was not always the same. There were definitely relationships where the vibe was extremely different. So I was very grateful to you for setting that vibe. And it told me a lot about, You as a person and you as a leader. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your journey, your long and rich experience, both at Walmart and then your experience at the New York Shipping Exchange after that. You've had an incredible journey so far. So I would love for you to share. Yeah. Well, thank you
0: for inviting my story. So um, I am currently calling and speaking to you from Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's in the middle of the country in the U.S., Uh, but I am um, a native Singaporean, still am and have residency in the United States. I've also had the privilege of working and living in China and for about five years. And in between all of that traveled to close to 40 countries, both for work and for fun. And that context is important because I very much identify, you know, as a global citizen and um, a person of the world. And that, you know, has allowed me to learn from uh, and observe leaders of all walks of life across multiple languages. And so that um, has greatly influenced me through my time um, and in my career, starting with the Dana shipping line Lursk and then um, you know working with the global team there around the world and then moving to the Home Depot in the US before joining Walmart, where I spent the most significant tenure um, of my career to date. So that's really all important um, because I didn't get to just see and observe. Um, I got to be one. I got to grow up as one. And I would say that um, at Walmart, there was an extra commitment to a very special kind of leadership called servant leadership, where the leader's role is to serve. And I think that is pretty unique um, because in the media and in just Mainstream communication, we think of take charge, um, strong, assertive, aggressive. But at Walmart, um, you know, that was founded you know over sixty years ago by Mister Sam Walton. Um, there is actually a very healthy legacy of servant leadership, and if you have experienced that kind of leadership, where someone senior to you, someone with more political um, capital or more power than you, creates space for you, lifts you up, you know, guides you through your, your worst days. Um, It's an incredible feeling that you can make a decision. Are you going to grow up and be that kind of leader? So there are more of us, or um, are you more comfortable in a take charge, um, you know, take no prisoners kind of style. And they're all styles in the world.
1: It's very interesting that you brought up right off the bat, the, the Walmart, style of leadership. And that's really fascinating to me because whichever company you're in, specifically a company where you cut your teeth, where you really grow into leadership, that's where you get trained on what a leader really means. What does it mean to be a leader and then to speak as a leader? For me, it was definitely BNG. So we have that corporate America experience in common. And at BNG, it was very much being insightful and leading through insight, inspiring through insight and being inclusive, but also being firm, also being able to take decisions and taking ownership of projects and decisions. So it's really interesting for me to hear about the Walmart model of leadership and specifically interesting. I've always found this part interesting where you refer to the, the founder as Mr. Sam Walton, is it ever Sam? I've always been very curious.
0: Yeah, it is. I think it might, my, my personal guess is that it comes from a place of deep respect and also because Arkansas is identifies as being in the south of the US, where there is, um, you know, uh, a lot more uh, care given to being a miss or a mister. And because he was, he had put together such an important business and and took care of his people that people looked up to him and respected him. So I was fortunate enough to work for leaders who were part of his meetings when he was still alive. And so you kind of just pick up and and follow the the sign of respect by addressing him as Mr. Sam.
1: Tying it back to the southern culture of respect and how you give that respect makes a lot of sense and I think that's where it really differs uh, for me in a very personal way from like the way that I was trained at png they were you know from from the east coast from Cincinnati and it was always first name basis with all the leaders it didn't matter who they were I was At one point I presented to a senior VP who at the time, I believe was one of the senior most female leaders in the company. And I called her by her first name and she expected nothing else. It was one of the first rules we learned, but the core remains the same. The, The core of respecting and being thoughtful and serving is just expressed in different ways depending on the cultures. And it's fascinating to me that we're talking about such a huge difference in this way. For me, it's a little bit huge between the different cultures within the U.S. Because if you look at leadership, the way that leadership is defined and expressed across the world is so different. And you talked about living and working in 40 different countries, which is insane. That is such a huge number. So I would love to know more about what you think were the key cultural differences in leadership that you observed in different cultures. And how did you deal with it? Was it challenging?
0: It certainly was in a a really good way. And culture is really important. So having lived and worked in three, but traveled to over 40, um, what I have certainly come to just really enjoy is that, you know, there is, a, there is a shared humanity that truly unites us. And we truly have more in common than the media or, or anything mainstream would have you believe, right? We breathe, we speak. And so speaking is so important as a leader, as you well know, and you're investing to help others find their voice. Um, But speaking and understanding the context of culture um, is incredibly important to credibility as a leader. So um, learning that the, the time I spoke, the people I spoke to where I was speaking to whom I was speaking with all had an impact and I had to remain true to myself, right? I had to be consistent. Um, I always admired um, and always strove to be the kind of leader you would meet on stage or in the hallway. It would be the same person. I may not know your name, but my communication, my body
1: language should be consistent. And that consistency is so important to not just building authenticity, but also building trust and also building your personal brand so that anyone can say, yeah, I know Lynn, Lynn is like this. And a person who may, you know, be like separated by oceans from that first person could say, yeah, I met Lynn here. And she was like this too. Yeah. We, it's, it's literally just the same person across geographies and across time. That's really powerful.
0: I think of preparing to speak as a leader in um, two big areas. I think about the care and I think about the captivate and by care, exactly as you mentioned, it's, it's about your human brand, right? Not just your leadership brand because every communication verbal or nonverbal, has an impact. And so when I think about when I have to speak, I start with who am I speaking to, right? What level are they? Um, and why am I speaking? right? I should be listening, right? One of the hallmarks of a strong and consistent servant leader is the ability to listen. So why am I talking, right? Am I talking to motivate, to activate, to cascade, to apologize, to teach, right? So why am I speaking as first? And then who, like I had mentioned, um, I learned very quickly that while I led a global team, I had to reduce my speed of speaking. I had to shorten my sentences and I had to repeat and repeat and repeat. Um, and then I had to repeat even more. And so the who is really important and working on a global team could mean that I'm speaking to my team. So therefore junior to me, but then the same, at the same time, I would be speaking to peers or seniors who then I also have to think about is English their second language Um, and what is the communication approach that is most suitable for the message. And then, of course, it's a given these days to care about the medium at which you're speaking. Are you speaking on a podcast? Are you being recorded and then, you know, played? Um, Is this on the phone? And again, you know, the who and the why, they, they matter. Um, and timing. So not just time zones, but if you're speaking live, are you the morning speaker? Are you the keynote? Are you the first after lunch speaker? Or are you the before happy hour speaker? All this matters into then, you know, into the care part, which then leads to the captivate, which is really then the the hard work of content. and. You know all of it comes together then in my personal style, as conversational as I can make it. i I don't do very well memorizing scripts. so I usually bring bullet points um, and I try and calm my fears by thinking of, you know, the auditorium, if I had to speak in front of a large, large group as just like my living room, and they're just being polite. They're just waiting for me to finish my communication before, they participated. So, Hopefully that gives you just some perspective of how I would prep uh, to speak.
1: That's fascinating. You touched upon so many super interesting things in your response. I loved the piece about listening and then adapting to the audience. And I really think it's it's about striking that balance between truly knowing who you are and what kind of person you want to be presenting being confident of that and then being able to make tweaks. Because you can, I believe, also go the other way. If you're completely immersed in who you are, you might not be open to adapting. You might not be listening to the audience. And we've all seen people like that who love hearing the sound of their voice, who don't leave room in the conversation for others. But then it's also possible to go the other way if you're a people pleaser. I've personally struggled with that a lot in my life. And then you just adapt, adapt, adapt. And you don't truly know what is at the core of your own being. Who really are you if you can be so adaptable and like a chameleon in every situation? So I think that I love the part about you striking that balance. That's what I heard in your words about you always being the same Lynn, but different depending on the situation but at at heart always the same persona and this and that's how you've been able to project that onto different stages thank you
0: i think the courage to practice and then the willingness to practice right because if you allow your audience to to give you that feedback and you also have the sense to you know parse through the feedback um, you know, that that makes you, you can't help it. You will journey to yourself um, if you care.
1: And I also love the part that you brought up about speaking in a second language. This was, I really resonate with that because I've been learning French. And one of the first things that I realized about myself as I was learning French was how unsettling and disarming it was to not be able to express myself in mm-hmm. another language. And I had never felt that way before. I, I grew up bilingual. So I was always super comfortable speaking in, in English and do the other language that I speak. And really being able to go on any kind of stage speaking in a language that you're not super comfortable speaking in, in that environment. Like you said, I think we have a similar relationship with, with our second languages. Because you said that you can talk shop in Mandarin. You can like connect with the, the person on the street. I can do that in in Urdu, in my my second language. But if you put me on a stage and you ask me to deliver a keynote in Urdu, I am going to struggle. And I I really saw that with the leaders I was working with. I I worked with a number of Chinese C-level execs, helping them do keynotes and talk about the companies that they have established. So clearly they are the leaders of their industry. They are completely the the, the the masters of the subject matter that they're going to be talking about, but it's in a language that is so unfamiliar to them and it's so hard for them to express their personality because they're in their head about, what, what, what word am I going to use next? Oh my God, how do I say this? How do I translate from this language into this language? So it's a really important piece of it, being able to present or talk in a language that is not your own, it really changes the way that you express yourself.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're choosing to, to share your gifts with these leaders because their stories must be told. Um, and, you know, with your skills and with your gifts, then you can work with them to consistently, authentically tell their story in the setting that gives them the most confidence. Start there and then branch out, right? Um, And sometimes saying no to a keynote or keeping it real short is necessary on the front side of their speaker's journey, right?
1: Yes, yes. Or seeking smaller opportunities and smaller stages to start off with, not putting the stakes super high. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I want to talk about what I love calling the switch flip moment in leadership. And as we discussed, you grew up and in a way at Walmart, that was your, it was the time where you really grew into being a leader. It's where you got trained as a leader. So I'm really interested in knowing, was there a switch flip moment where you realized you were no longer an employee or even a manager or a boss, you had become a leader?
0: It was early on in my time at Walmart. So I was there for over a decade. And it was when I was given the opportunity to attend what was called the Walton Institute. And part of our very first, you know, leadership type of training was um, to understand the company's values, and then using that process to discover our own. And that work was personal, inspiring, energizing, and that, you know, knowing your values, knowing who you are um, was was pretty, pretty transformational and core to servant leadership. My, one of the most inspiring stories from my time there was when I had asked one of our executives, um, you know, it was hurricane season, he was responsible for many, many stores um, in the US and he also lived in the South and I asked him, how how do you communicate as a leader in these times of hurricanes when stress is so high, communications break down? And he very simply said to me, oh, I always tell my team that when communications break down, the walkie doesn't work anymore. Any decision, any action you need to take, just filter it through the basic beliefs of the company, right? Does it serve the customer? Does it demonstrate respect? is this an achievement of excellence? The best thing you could do at that moment in time, is there integrity in this decision? If it passes through the values filter, then execute. So empowering others to be a leader. And so his story and my opportunity to participate in that course was significant to me in realizing that I would be growing in various stages as a leader, and that I wanted to lead at Walmart.
1: That's fascinating that you had this framework that you could understand and internalize and then use it to be able to lead in difficult situations. And that's such a great example you really understand who you are in moments of crisis, in moments where everyone else is panicking and running around like headless chickens. And you realize you can either be a headless chicken or you can choose to keep calm and understand how to tackle the situation head on. And I'm sure that during moments of crisis, I really feel like you would have been a very calming presence. Just by talking to you and knowing you a little bit, I can tell that you wouldn't be one who would give in to panic or fear or paranoia. Was there a time where you had to speak up as a leader in a situation like that? I would be very curious to know if something comes to mind.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, was leading the team outside the United States, and the there was a, a pretty massive uh, chemical explosion in the north of China. And quite a, a bit of our products were coming out of a, a key port that was affected. And so being the most senior logistics person um, outside the United States, I had to go get information. I had to filter information. As, and as you know, getting information in China um, isn't always easy, right? So beyond the, the complexity of, of getting information, it was also to lend my voice, to participate in decision-making with the company. Do we, you know, where is the product? Is it coming into the United States? And if it's coming to the United States, there's a potential that it's contaminated and you know, what would the company do? Right. So the, the short of it was the company made Um, significant decisions to destroy a lot of the product out of abundance of safety um, for the potential consumers and did right by the vendors. And so, you know, using um, that framework to think about how do you process this information because there's a financial impact, right? Um, So that is one example. The other significant example was, I think in my final years in China, where I met you, um, there was probably the worst typhoon in ten years, and much of Shenzhen and the Futian area had trees downed. And I had a decision to make: Do I close the largest office? Um, you know, in our division outside of China, uh, outside of the United States, do I close the office and tell people not to come in, and therefore potentially cost you know a significant amount of revenue? that we didn't work on that day? Or um, do I just let people go back in, right? So I had the opportunity to, um, you know, jump in the car with my my trusty driver and we made it to the office. We looked around, looked at the streets and yeah, technically you started to see, you know, people were coming out onto the streets, but I had the trust of the leaders senior to me, as well as the support of my peers. And I made the decision to not open the office um, for at least a, a day or two until the city kind of came back online. And I found out afterwards, um, especially through my driver, um, who was so amazed that at Walmart that we could make such a decision because his daughter had to go to work um, and she had to like climb over Trees, fallen trees, to just to get to the stop, to get her driver. Um, And so the ability to use my position as a leader to make that call, but truly make a decision that is in service of everyone's health and safety and their families as well.
1: It's incredible that you were able to take that decision knowing your own values and take a decision that you really felt good about, not something that you would then need to regret or or think about later thinking like, I, I really hated taking that decision. And that's, that's really incredible. And being in a company that really supports that is invaluable. And that is probably one of the reasons why you stayed there for so long, because it resonated with your own values. And something that I love talking about, especially online, this gets... LinkedIn fired up when I talk about the difference between a boss and a leader, you'll get, I literally have thousands of people reacting and hundreds of comments every time I ask people, what do you think is the difference between a leader and a boss? Or how do you think a boss speaks versus a leader? So I would love to pose that question to you because I have had so many different responses all the way from a boss is someone who thinks of themselves first and a leader thinks of their team first to a boss says, get it done. But a leader says, what do you need from me to get this done? So according to you, based on your experience and specifically based on the leadership persona that you've developed over time for yourself, What do you think is the key difference or the key differences between speaking as a boss and speaking as a leader?
0: Well, thank you for that question. It's quite simple for me, actually. Um, When I think of bosses who speak, I think of instructions and I think of, yeah, unquestionable instructions and communications. It's one way. When I think of leadership, I think of conversation, and I think that a successful leader is one that is as comfortable serving as they are leading. That, you know, it it is important to know when you need to take the stand, but
1: you must always do it with context for those you serve, your customers and your team. That makes a lot of sense. That you're, it's always about who you're serving. That really ties back very neatly to the idea of servant leadership that you talked about. It's very cohesive that, It's not about you anymore, especially when you're a leader. It's about who you're serving. And being able to to speak in a way that serves that audience the best is really the best way for you to be a leader. So I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about your life beyond Walmart. We've talked a lot about all the things that you learned at Walmart and all the, the great things that happened to you and that you made happen during your time there. Did your definition of and perception of leadership change after you left Walmart, especially during your next experience at the New York Shipping Exchange and also now where you are now in your journey?
0: My uh, commitment to you know, continuing to grow as a servant leader hasn't changed. Um, you know, coming out of a company where I've spent a decade and a formative decade um, of growing as a global leader is pretty significant. Um, I was incredibly excited to be part of the leadership team at the New York Shipping Exchange, which was a much smaller company when I joined, but extremely global. Our CEO is South African, and there are many members of the board um, who are from around the world. So that global leadership, and that care for team members was very consistent. Um, the uh, leadership opportunity I got to see was probably more in just the shift in context. You know, what was it like to be, what is it like to be in a tech startup in a legacy industry um, in global shipping? So I got a lot more exposure to leaders of industry uh, in my time at the New York Shipping Exchange or NYSEX, for sure.
1: Okay. That's really interesting. I think the, the molds that you form and that shape you early on in your professional career do stay with you in so many different ways. And it's great that this was a way of leadership that you learned early on that resonated with you and you'll now carry it with you no matter where you go beyond Walmart, maybe even beyond your corporate experience. And perhaps this is the kind of leadership that, you will then you know go on to coach other people on in terms of how they need to be leaders and step up into that role so i want to talk a little bit about what it is that you think is are the key pitfalls or the key watchouts for anyone speaking and expressing themselves and communicating both within the company and outside of the company when they're speaking in a leadership role, what are the kind of things that you've seen leaders do badly? A couple of things. One, I think, is
0: the use of humor. That is an absolute art, and actually quite dangerous if you are in a global setting, um, and it could be misconstrued. So, the mature leader is the one that is self-aware and is and does a lot of work before they use humor because it may not land and worst, it may offend. The other, it's not dangerous, but it's a bit of a pet peeve is the use of analogies, Um, especially sports analogies, because it's incredibly alienating um, across cultures, Um, football versus soccer, baseball versus no baseball. It, it loses people. Uh, Analogies are powerful. Um, I would I would also then just encourage a lot more work. last but not least, I guess it's maybe this is a a, a choice thing. I believe that less is more uh, when in doubt because you can always add words later but you can't take words back.
1: The sports analogy that is so spot on you're so right when I, kind of went into a multicultural environment the sports analogies were a everywhere and b not very accessible because i was coming i was coming from pakistan where we have you know people play cricket and they play football and we have an understanding of you know tennis but we don't really know baseball to that extent we we don't really know um, american football <laughs> To the head extent, and and those analogies were something I had to really get used to. And sports analogies are just everywhere. They're everywhere in leadership. You see them just there you, you can't escape and I think knowing your audience, right is
0: incredibly important. And it will land if it is the right audience that understands that analogy. But if it becomes part of who I am as a leader versus who I serve, um, that's where I see the the misses
1: occur. Part of that could be so easy to address because when you're going from one culture to another, all you have to do is just understand what are the things important to them and then be able to weave that into your communication. Just like a stand up comedian will do when they're taking a tour across a country or across different countries, they're always going to find out what are the local things that they can talk about and add on to their act. And it always gets the crowd going because they feel like, "Whoa, this person is talking to me. They're adapting to me. And that kind of connection is priceless. And you can really make that connection as a leader, speaking in a multicultural environment, if you just take the time to get to know what is important in this culture. And also conversely, what could be taboo in this culture? What could be sensitive to talk about? What are the areas that You need to be sensitive about when you're addressing in your, in your speech or your presentation. I totally agree. We're going to wrap up um, the podcast. It's been very interesting and very insightful talking to you. Do you have any last words for the people that are listening in who are interested in knowing about what it is like to speak as a leader and how they can improve their communication skills as leaders, both within and outside the company?
0: Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, I'll just leave everyone with, if you care, then you will captivate. If you care about your audience, then you will captivate with your content. So thank you for
1: letting me share this time with you. I love that. Thank you. It's And, and when you care, when you really, honestly, truly care, people see it. And people yes. see it through you, if you are saying something, but you don't actually care, that is also super transparent.
0: Absolutely. That's where you trip up, you forget your lines, you like lose your attention and you don't get it back. Um, and people start you know, scrolling on their phones.
1: <laughs> and that's something we definitely don't want. Thank you so much, Lynn. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was so great catching up and it's been fantastic hearing about all your insights and your wonderful journey and the wonderful journey that also lies ahead of you. I'm super excited about that as well. So thank you so much, Lynn. I'm glad we had a chance to
0: catch up. And, you know, thanks for inviting me to join you on your journey. And please
1: keep me posted. Hey, you're still here. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I am super grateful for your support. If you like this episode, please take a minute to leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. To know about how I help leaders speak fearlessly, you can check out nsheen.com. That is the first letter of my name, N for Nashine, with a sheen like Martin and Charlie. See you in the next episode. Till then, speak fearlessly.